So if you haven't been here before, this year we are starting the year off preaching through the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. And each week we're going to take a passage of that scripture. We've kind of done introductory work, and this is still a little bit introductory this morning. But we're going to preach through the things that Jesus taught us directly. We think that those, I mentioned it two weeks ago, so that have a, an older printed Bible, many of them were called red letter editions. And the things that Jesus himself said were printed in red letters. And we're going to cover those red letters, those things that Jesus specifically left for us, those things that he taught while he was on earth, because we think that is some of the the very most important things that we can see in Scripture. So that's where we're going to be going for the next few weeks. We're going to tie in how that applies to your life, and I think it'll be a blessing to you if you can can stick with us. And, and guess we'd be glad to have you back, or if you'd like to wa- watch online, that's great as well. So, But before we get started, let's just pray that the Lord's Spirit will be on this service this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for this day and your blessings, Lord. I thank you for all you do for us, Lord. We just pray today that you will... Your Holy Spirit will be here speaking to us, and that he'll speak through me to this this audience, Lord, and that we will come out of here knowing more about you, more about how to seek you, more to hunger and thirst for you, God, and that that will, in effect, have a change on our lives, Lord, and and the way we we run our day-to-day business of our lives, and we just pray that you'll be with everyone. We pray and thank you for those that have been able to be out today and serve today and and be in the audience uh, to worship God. We thank you for them. Uh, we pray for those that aren't able to attend because of fear of weather or sickness and so many things going on, Lord, that you will bless them and uh, keep them safe. And, Lord, we just pray all these things in your heavenly name. Amen. Well, guys, great to be here. Um, we're going to be talking this morning about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And our primary verse this morning will be from Matthew 5 and verse 6. It's, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Oh, that was good. Technical glitches, no problem. Uh, But when you're hungering and thirsting for righteousness, first of all, I think we have to differentiate and figure out what righteousness even is. Um, Righteousness has sometimes been even attributed as a negative thing. We'll get into that in just a minute. But the first thing I want us to realize is that saying you're right and being right and being righteous before God are two separate things. We often take into our lives and, and think being right is the is the end all. How many of you actively participate in social media? Raise your hand. Don't be embarrassed. Okay, I do it too. How many of you notice that on social media there is a real strong desire to be right about everything? You know, it's, it's funny. People will put out their opinion on something and then act like, oh, don't post on my page. Don't do no, 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 no. You wanted a reaction or you wouldn't have posted it. And then when somebody disagrees with you, you get mad because we want to be right. We think our opinion is the most important. And I'm guilty of it, too. Everybody has their opinions. And we're all made differently. We have different interests in things. But that's not the way we should approach Scripture. Um, I have seen people be beat over the head with Scriptures. Do you know what I mean? I'm right. You're a sinner. You're wrong. And you need to straighten up because I have reached a level that you can't reach. Guys, that's not being righteous. That's having to be right. That's trying to show what you are. And we'll talk about that again in a minute. But, you know, righteousness is an important facet of being a Christian that many today dismiss as unobtainable or or unimportant. What happens is we have, we live a defeated life, honestly, many of us. We think because the standard of being righteous and being right before God is such a tall order that we can't do it anymore. Well, now, yeah, 
how many of y'all all agree with the verse that says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? That's a that's a verse most of us know. We know what that means. You know, we can all we can all claim that verse. I don't know if that's your life verse or not, but it, it could be mine. You know, I've I've messed up. I know I've messed up. I've not done the things that God wants wants me to do sometimes. But having said that, does that mean I give up and say, oh well, I have no need to try now? It's not that we're on this path of perfection, and when you get a little off that path. Well, you got to stop now. Too late now. You've messed up. You've messed up bad. You know, there is nothing that will keep you from getting right back on that path and trying to do the right thing in God's eyes. Now, what we have done now as a society is we've tried to cover for that. And do you know how we cover for that? Well, number one, if we see somebody that has not only stepped off the path, maybe jumped off head first and is doing who knows what, what can we not do? Oh, don't judge them. That's only for God. Well, yeah, to some extent, if they're in the world and they're not a believer, it does tell us that those people, you can't judge those because they're not Christians. But however, we watch Christians do this as well and don't even give them a warning of their activity. We just say, oh, well, God forgives. And what that has done in our society has led us as people, as individual Christians, to think, well, you know, I'm going to mess up and I'm not really going to try too hard because God's going to forgive me. We've gotten in this this idea that God doesn't want us to strive and hunger and thirst for righteousness, but we can just go through and do our deal every day. And as long as we don't mess up really bad, it's no big deal. And even if I do mess up really bad, God's going to forgive me and I'm going to get in heaven, and that's my only goal anyway. That's what we have boiled Christianity down to in so many churches and so many so many things that Christians have, have weakened their relationship with God because they don't re- understand how important that righteousness component is. Some verses, you know, righteousness isn't mentioned a whole lot in Scripture. It's mentioned a lot in Matthew. Uh, look at Matthew 6, 33. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, one of the things you have to do is you have to seek. It says, first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, not when you get a chance, not one of many good activities. That's another thing that we've seen in the churches is churches become one of many good activities. You know, dance is good, uh, being in the band, playing football, baseball, whatever. All those are great activities for your kids. And then church is just the end of the week activity. Well, church should be the one we're prioritizing on because that's where we're getting fed God's word. And He's going to, that's going to help us to be righteous before him. We're going to learn things. We're going to learn how to, to live in a fallen world as Christians. And so we need to be seeking that. Now, the, the verse mentions a lot about hungry and thirsty, and that's going to be one of our primary things today is, is that's relatable. Is You know what it's like to be hungry or thirsty. But now if you're hungry or thirsty, okay, I'm hungering and thirsting. Well, I'm not sure what we're going to do today. I, that's always the debate is what do you do for you know lunch after church? How many, how many of you got a plan today? Are you, anybody hungry for anything specific today? Pizza, okay. We had pizza yesterday or that would sound really good. So I am hungering for pizza. Does anybody else hunger for pizza? Absolutely. Hunger for the pizza. Now, I am hungering for pizza, so what I am going to do, I am going to go home, I am going to sit at my kitchen table and wait for the pizza to appear. Does that work? Does that work? No, it doesn't work. Maybe your wife does that, or you as a husband, you do that and cook the pizza for your wife in the big pizza warmer over there in the corner called an oven that some of us use for that. 
Yeah, we used to joke about that. That's what everybody uses their oven for now is to warm up their pizza. Nobody cooks anymore, but we do. But, but at any rate, just being funny there, talking about it doesn't just appear. You have to seek it out, don't you? You have to either go get the ingredients and put them in your oven, or you have to go out and get it. Or if you're lucky enough to live in a delivery area, you have to ask the pizza person to come and bring it to you. You have to seek to get it. It doesn't just appear. And righteousness is going to be the same way. Uh, look at Matthew 5.20 where it says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I don't even want to read that one. Do you? If I don't have a level of righteousness that exceeds the scribes and Pharisees, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. That's kind of discouraging, isn't it? To hear that you have got to be so righteous. We remember the the scribes and Pharisees as the as the top of the top. Last week I mentioned, or two weeks ago, I mentioned some of that in the Yoke of Jesus sermon, talking about how there were levels of religious education, and only the best of the best made it to that third third level of, of Jewish religious education. Those people became scribes and Pharisees and that sort of person. So Jesus is saying here, even the best of the best that are following the laws of the Jews are not going to make it in because they're not righteous enough. And we're going to see why that is so important. But that was such a high standard under Jewish law. And so why did Jesus say that? What is he saying? Well, one of the things is we've got to be careful to do is we can't become self-righteous like the Pharisees. You know, remember a couple of weeks ago, if you if you listen, if not, you can go back and listen online. There, All our sermons are online. I was speaking about the yoke of Jesus. And Jesus came and said, my yoke is easy. And what he was saying there was opposed, as opposed to many of the other Jewish rabbis, I haven't added to what God commanded us. I haven't come and added lots of rituals and customs and that had become a problem in the Jewish religious system is each rabbi would get his own flavor and interpretation of Scripture, and then he would add to it his regulations. Like you know, on the Sabbath, well, you could walk five miles to the synagogue, but you couldn't walk six. That would be a sin. Or you know, all kinds of things that you had to follow and adhere to. And Jesus said, I don't have all those extra requirements. I'm just telling you the, the basics of what God the Father says to do. And so what had happened is the Pharisees had become self-righteous. And that's that's what we want to talk about here for just a minute or two, is the difference between being righteous and self-righteous. The dictionary definition of self-righteousness is confidence in one's own righteousness, especially when smugly, moralistic, and intolerant of the opinions and behaviors of others. I don't know anybody like that, do you? <laughs> and if you guys have admitted to being on social media, you can't scroll for two pages and not find somebody like that, can you? People, you know, I am I am the expert. I am the best of the best. My morals and my intelligence and things trump anything you could ever say. You cannot understand. You, you're just not even on my level is the reason you don't agree with me. We see that in our in our scriptures every day. It has hurt us as a church because we have become like that. But we see Jesus actually describing this. And he handles this in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. He's telling a parable. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, paid thus, 
God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But that tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Still a problem today. Still a problem. We, we do that. We want to be heard. We want to be seen as godly people. Now, the Bible does tell us one of the things we are seen as godly people is because of the fruits of what is God's doing in our lives. That's seen, but we don't have to call attention to that to be seen, do we? People naturally see that. If they see you're working in the community and things like that. Matter of fact, community, let me take a quick detour there. One of our ministries is Room in the Inn here. Uh, if you haven't seen yet, Room in the Inn this week, we're still working on some details. Uh, some of the families got moved out to a hotel, so we couldn't supply our typical meal where they warm it up and eat it. So we are still working on that for this week. and may be able to individually deliver some pre, pre-cooked warm meals to them. So just keep checking our website. Kathleen will update us on that. So that's kind of where Room in the Inn stands this week. But that's a community thing we do. And we don't do that so we can list it on our website. You know, th- there are churches, and I'm going to make fun of some people now, that their, that their web page on their church site looks more like a NASCAR sponsor sheet of who sponsors me in racing or an athlete who my, my Nike sponsor is than it does a ministry. Well, we have ministries in this, 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 and this. Hey, if you're doing that to get people involved, that's great. But some churches brag about it. Look what we're doing. Look what we're doing. And that gets dangerously close to that self-righteousness of the Pharisees. And we don't want to be those people. We don't want to be in that shape. The self-righteous thing says, look at me, whereas true righteousness says, look at God. Now, what do you think would drive us to want to be self-righteous? Anybody have any idea? Ego. Okay. With ego, greed, perhaps. What are all those things doing, though? Ego and greed. It's look at what? Look at me. Look at this. We even see pastors and Christians talking about Look how God has blessed me with material things. That's not scriptural. We may be blessed like that. We may be fortunate, but that doesn't—that's not how God grades blessings. You know, I'm not going to stand up and tell you today that because because you came out to Journey Chattanooga and it's starting to sleet and it's raining, it is a bad day. God is going to extra bless you this week for your effort. That's baloney, guys. That's not going to happen. I do appreciate that you did that, but you did it because you wanted to come and hear about God. That's the reason you came, not because you were going to get something. We've got to divorce this idea that we come to church to get something from the idea that we come to serve and be part of a faith community where we support each other, where we pray for each other, where we do good deeds for each other even, and the community. It's a And correct each other. Sometimes that happens. Leslie from the audience said sometimes we have to correct each other. I don't want you going down a path where you're going to basically – uh, as as God as uh, Jesus said, turn you over to Satan to be sifted like sand. You don't want that, and I don't want that for members of our group here at Journey. I want you to be healthy and whole and righteous before God. But being truly righteous is where it's look at God, look at what God has done. I had nothing to do with this. I did, God gave me the ability to come here and speak this morning. That's not me. 
You know, I can't do this of my own. If I do, it's not going to be effective. I pray every every time I speak that God will speak through me to you. I'm just a vessel, you know, and that's what I want God to do. That was the problem the Pharisees had in their self-righteousness. Do you remember what Jesus said about their, their vessels? They were whitewashed tombs, weren't they? They were all clean on the outside, but inside they were dirty and rotten, and he recognized that. We can't go through life as dead Christians and just looking good and playing the part because, oh, our, my witness was my neighbor saw me go to church this Sunday. They saw my car leave. They don't know if you're going to church or if you're going to Starbucks on Sunday morning. That's not a witness. Now, maybe the way you treat them during the week can be a witness, but we've got to get out of this, you know, that that there's no requirements to be a follower of Christ. And there is, but there is. There's righteousness. But we all, we want the approval of God, but the applause of men can be deafening. And that's what this whole thing about your ego and, and greed and self-worth and all those things, you want to, attack, uh, to attract the praise of men and women more than you do please God. And that's, that's a fair statement for many, many Christians. They're, they're more about being seen as holy than being holy. It's immediate, yeah. Leslie says it's immediate. You know, righteousness is a lifestyle that distinguishes us as true Christians and invites opposition from the world. Hmm, think about that statement. Think about that statement. Have you ever thought of Jesus as being countercultural? We think of things as countercultural as being rebellious, et cetera, et cetera. Jesus was rebelling against a certain religious system that had been established outside the authority of God, where where the Jews had added these things, the scribes and Pharisees had added this yoke that was impossible for people to attain. You know, it's not out of the realm if you're trying to unfairly extort money in the temple, as some people were doing, that Jesus didn't come in and turn the tables over and run them out with a whip because they had distorted what his father God had that temple established for. That's why he got mad, because those people were unfairly taking advantage of those that came there. You know, it would be like today if there was a, as a, was a blizzard and the church said, come to us and we have bread and milk for you. And we're only going to charge you six times the normal markup. But if you'll come to church and get it, you can have it. That's kind of what they were doing there. They were using the name of the church to make money. And that's that's not scriptural. But Jesus is truly a countercultural individual. Because what I'm talking about this morning, does society in itself, especially in the United States of America, demand that you be self-sacrificing to fit in? No, it's absolutely opposite, isn't it? Don't self-sacrifice. It's all about you. It's what you can do for yourself. You can, what's your future? What can you do to establish yourself? What can you do to build your personal wealth? How many of you have heard that one on the radio? Build your personal wealth. That's not scriptural. Maybe, you know, we should be trying to build our personal righteousness before God's what we should be trying to, to build. But why is this all so hard? The reason it gets hard is we cannot become righteous without Jesus. That's where we're all going so wrong in our, our walk sometimes is we are trying to do the right things in our own power. I do not have that power. I'm a broken sinner just like anybody else. I am going to mess up, and I do not have the power in my own life to do the right thing every time. You know, y'all remember the old WWJD bracelets, What Would Jesus Do? You know, that became a fashion statement and unfortunately got far beyond what it should have been. But the concept is still sound. If you want to be righteous, what would Jesus do in that situation? 
You can't figure these things out apart from Jesus and looking at his life and seeing what he did. And the scripture bears that out. Uh, John 15 tells us, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's what I was talking about a minute ago. Just driving to church isn't showing fruit. Loving your neighbor and helping them out is bearing fruit. And that will be something that they can see is, as you have fruit in your life and one of the proofs that you are following Christ. Also, 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In him. Apart from Christ, there is no righteousness. That's where we mess up sometimes is we try and do this on our own. We delve into self-righteousness when we try and do this. But righteousness through Christ is our fourth, is our path forward in this life here on earth. We need him in everything we do. And that's difficult because we live in a fallen society, a fallen world. Um, in America, we live in a me-first kind of world for a lot of things. So when you start getting outside those things and want to do it differently, it's countercultural. People look at you, why would you do that? You know, one of the things that we like to do is we like to be involved in our community. Uh, We have launched on a thing where we have gotten to know pastors that are of different uh, denominations. Uh, They are different racially from us. They are different economically in their congregations. And we have been getting together with those pastors for a couple of years now to learn how we can support and help each other. You know, if you go out, church has changed. Would you all agree that church has changed? Some of you may have not been around for eons like I have and been in church and seen the changes, but church has changed. Church used to be a community church. You went somewhere within a block of your house. How many here live within a block of this church? Cool, we got some good visitors then. Great, good to see you guys. Yeah, messed up. You you totally ruined my illustration, folks. You're going you're going to have a seek a church on the other side of town. I'm sorry, it was nice to see you this one time. No, this is great. We want people in our community. Red Bank is a fairly large, diverse community too. It's it's much more diverse than it used to be. But what we would do as a church is you go out if. Uh, the local middle school or high school or elementary school doesn't need help. I know several downtown in the inner city that need help. You know what? We go partner with those people. It doesn't have to be people right here. If there are people here, that's fine. Serve them. Serve somewhere, though. You know, One of the things we participate in is the community food bank, Red Bank Community Food Bank. Ken Sauer, our friend up, just up the street here at uh, Red Bank United Methodist, heads that program up. Lots of people go there and serve. It's one of the ministries that we support. You can go up there and help them help the needy in our community. And there's no hard sell of, you know, you have to sit through. You know, one of the things that a homeless friend used to tell me, he said, I resent Christ because when I went to the soup kitchen that a local church ran, they would not give me soup and a sandwich until I sat and listened to them about Jesus. They made you sit through a service to say, well, we showed them the gospel and then gave them a sandwich. I think that's maybe a little bit backwards. Maybe aren't you supposed to be showing, uh, doesn't Jesus say, if you even give a cup of cold water in my name? You know, that's showing the gospel to people. Not that you have to listen to this presentation of a bunch of verses that the guys probably didn't understand anyway and just sat through to get their sandwich. But we need to be truly involved in the community, learning what other churches are doing, and partner together as a 
church, not little church, but as the big church that we see in Scripture, where we come together with other people and we we serve our communities. And that is countercultural. Even within the church, it's sad to say, many churches don't do anything except what benefits them and their little local community. We don't want to be like that. We want to be a blessing. We want to be a beacon. We want to be seen as a church that helps anywhere we can. We're a small church, even smaller than usual this morning with so much sickness and weather and everything else going on. But do you believe the Holy Spirit can work through all of us? I believe he can. I believe he does. I believe he has, and I believe he is going to continue to. And we need to be a countercultural church that goes out into our communities and lets them see Jesus. That's a form of righteousness. You know, all this going through Jesus, now that we have established that we have made we are made righteousness through Christ, what does it mean to hunger and thirst for it? Okay? So now we've got a, a definition of righteousness, I think, about following following God, having him work through us. We can only do it through Christ. So we've kind of come upon a definition of righteousness, of being right before God, doing the right things in God's eyes, doing it as what would Jesus do, doing the things he would do. But now, what does it mean to hunger and thirst for it? You know, when somebody's passionately committed to a task, we say they're hungry for it, right? Any of you guys follow sports? We often say, man, they were hungry for that win. They wanted it. They were hungry for it. As opposed to also, we say, as athletes sometimes get in the twilight of their careers, we te- they've lost their hunger for the game. They're, they no longer will go those extra steps to hunger for a win. You know, that changes their outlook when they stop hungering for that one thing. Well, what we need to hunger for is that righteousness. But often... That isn't what we can do. We've already talked about earlier this this morning where we were going to eat and what were we craving. We heard pizza. I did not hear anybody say, I am craving a healthy protein shake and perhaps a nice vegetable plate to enhance my health. Nobody said that, did they? Why? Because we often crave things that are bad for us. I would not have these craving problems if we would quit producing candy, potato chips, pizza, uh, a good burrito or taco is also a go-to. If we quit doing those things, I wouldn't have to crave them, would I? But we often crave what's bad for us. We, we know what we should be doing, but we don't do it sometimes. But we need to have a desperate sense of hunger and thirst. We aren't supposed to just seek righteousness or have it as a goal. We are to hunger for it in every aspect of our lives. You know, that's one of the things, that, you know, if you, if you go back to our, our opening verse where it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. It doesn't say blessed are those that seek righteousness. It doesn't say blessed are those who try and obtain righteousness. Uh, blessed are those that seem righteous some of the time. No, it defines this as what we are seeking in our lives is a hunger or thirst that we have got to have it. This is something I've got to have. You know, it's a need. Yes, it's not a want. I don't want this. I need this. I've got to have this. I am going to fall apart if I don't get this. You know, we don't live like that sometimes. And one of the problems is I can't remember the a time really in my life that I could honestly tell you that I am hungry and thirsting physically like people in the scripture did. 
I'm not talking about hungry and thirsting for God. I'm just talking about not having your belly full and enough to eat or drink. That's something typically in our society. You can go and I cannot think of a way here where we live that you could go thirsty. You can go in somewhere and find a water fountain and freely go and drink of a water fountain, can't you? No, not since COVID. Yeah, you're right. Due to COVID, yeah, yeah, no, not yeah. Since COVID, our water fountains are closed for your house, so it could be more difficult. It could be more difficult. You can still go to the restroom, turn the water on, and get a cup, a handful of water, though, right? So still, it's very difficult to be thirsty. Hunger a little more so, but most people, you can stand out for ten minutes, and if you tell somebody you're hungry, you'll get fed. Even in, in a, even in a cynical world like we live in, you can be there. So sometimes it's difficult for us to think about really hungering and thirsting because we're not hungry or thirsty most of the time. We crave some things, but, you know, we need to really, just like someone that's been, and I tried to find a movie clip or something that illustrated this, you know, when you're out in the desert somewhere and you're barely surviving and, you know, you're trying to get water out of, you know, plants and things because you, you're so thirsty. That's the way we need to be treating God and treating his righteousness is we need to really, really want that. And God himself will sustain our hunger and quench our thirst. Just like going to that water fountain refreshes us, we will be refreshed by the very word of God in our lives. Uh, Jesus tells us in John six thirty five. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. That's quite a promise, to, especially to a culture, if we're going back into those times, that we're familiar with hunger and thirst. He says, if you will do this, you'll not hunger or thirst if you'll, if you'll come to me, because Jesus is the bread of life. We need to eat more of that bread. We're not consuming enough Jesus in our lives often to sustain us through the week. Coming here on Sunday is fantastic. I'm glad everyone that came out braved the weather this morning and came to hear a message. That is fantastic. It's part of community. It's part of what God wills for us to do. But this will not sustain you all week. You can't come here for 30 or 40 minutes and get a sermon and think it's going to sustain you for the rest of the week. You have to be in the Scripture. That's the reason we're encouraging that reading plan this year. You need to talk to other Christians where you can encourage each other. God sustains that through others, through other means of teaching, through reading your Scriptures, through all those things. That's how that hunger and thirst is quenched. It's through the of life and learning about Jesus and his life and what he would have us to do. So that's one of the things we, we think this is actually a, a well-timed sermon for a new year, although it does seem like it is a, that 2020, 2021, and 22 right now are still the same year, doesn't it? There's been no difference. There's been, it's, it's been, you know, not a good year in many ways, but we know we're coming out of that. We know God has better things in store for us. And as we go through this year, we need to look at those things. We need to look at at what it means to be to really be thirsty for God, to want him. You know, it's not a matter of, well, I don't know if I'll go to church today or not. It's like, man, I'm hungry. I got to go. I, I'm not, I need to get fed. I need to go learn some of these things. And I'm not saying absolutely, like I said a minute ago, this is not the only place you should be fed, but it should be one of them. This should be one of the places that you come to get fed, either this or another church. You know, but righteousness, when we talk about this righteousness that we're seeking, it's more about being than it is about doing. You know, that is one of the things, in a, is a danger, and that goes back to the to the faith versus works argument that we even see in Scripture. Uh, sometimes we think it's our works that should define us. 
We think it's how much good I do. I, you know, I talked about you know, doing things in the community and stuff, but none of that means anything. Being right in your relationship with God is the most important thing, and that is doing right by God. You know, what would God, what would Jesus do? We can read through the scriptures, and I think it's pretty plain what you could do. There, there may be a few tricky cases. Uh, one of the ones I often get, get asked, because I am an advocate for the homeless in our community often, I think they're often misunderstood. There's several reasons why they're homeless, and it's a complicated issue. But if I go out and I see somebody on the corner begging, I'm not necessarily going to give them money, but if they say hungry, we'll work for food, et cetera, et cetera. If you give them, you know, buy the fast food place, get them a bag of food, you know, take a bottle of water. You know, I would recommend as Christians, as a matter of fact, I need to restock on this myself, keep a bottle of water in your car to give away, keep a pack of crackers, toothpaste, toothpaste, Toothbrush, socks, those are inexpensive things. Any of us can afford to go buy those things. You can go buy them at the dollar store if you need to. And keep that in a bag, and when somebody's out, say, hey, God bless you, I want to give you this. Do you think God's going to judge me and say, well, that person really should be working? You know, that person there, I don't think they're really homeless, Scott. You messed up. You gave away something to somebody in my name, and they're not going to really need it. It's not the way God's going to treat us. He's going to look at it and say, well done. You did a good job. You did it in my name, not to gain glory for you or anything, but you did it in my name because you want someone else to know about me. And that's what we need to do about it because God is doing right by us. He keeps his promises, he guides us, and he empowers us. That's one of the things coming from, you know, everybody has a different church background if you've been in church any time at all. One thing that I, as a growing up as a Southern Baptist primarily, we didn't talk about the power of God enough, I think. That's one thing that got left out was how much the Holy Spirit works through us and empowers us to do the work of God. And that's the reason it's so important to be in right standing with God because that's where the power to do these things come from. So if God's going to empower us, we have to be right with him. We have to be following him. And that's where that righteousness comes from. That's what we're supposed to hunger and thirst is to have the ability to go out into the community and do the work of God because he is empowering us. He's empowering us because we're righteous in his sight. And that's one of the things we need to remember. You know, we also need to be right in the relationship with other people, doing right by others. Wow, we, everybody falls down on this one. I don't care who you are. You've had difficulties with other people where you haven't done right by them. It's, it's a very difficult thing. Uh, one of the things that we explored uh, quite a bit uh, in recent months here was racial reconciliation in our city. We feel like there's been times that, that people were not treated right. They were not treated fairly. And there is still some remnants of that going on in our communities as you get out and get to know people in different communities and stuff you learn that everybody here doesn't have quite the same upbringing and chance at things as others do. And we're concerned about that because what would God have us do there? God would have us reach our hand out to help those if they're in need, if there's anything we can do. But it's those relationships with other people. You know, and other people doesn't mean people that look just like me. Y'all understand that? It doesn't mean going and seeking out people that are almost like you so that when you guys get together or whatever, it's an echo chamber of everybody believes and says the same thing. That's unhealthy. That's unhealthy. We need to be surrounded by people that don't look like us, maybe don't have the same background as us, and build a relationship with them so we can help more people. We can minister to more people. You know, the ministry of the gospel, the presentation of the gospel is what we should be doing. But finally, being righteous isn't complicated. It simply means doing what is right 
in God's eyes. You know, what does God think is right? And we can divorce all the politics and things. I had a had one of my friends the other day. He he, uh, we talk a lot on social media, and he was kind of baiting a conversation about, well, this uh, political party. Why do they even go to church because they do so and so, so and so? You know what? There's no political party on earth that represents Jesus. You know, and we need to get out of this mode where we're offending half of the people we're trying to serve because we value our political opinions more than being right with God and being righteous. There's room for those discussions as a Christian. Sure, that's a part of our public life and things. Those things go on. They do affect people. And we should be concerned about policies and things, especially if they're not equitable for all people. However, that should not drive a wedge in our relationship with others and doing what's right in God's eyes. There are people that will not do something that's right in God's eyes because they don't think it's politically expedient or correct. They don't. They would rather offend God than their political allies, and that's a and that's the truth of where we live at in our society. We've got to get away from that and do what's right in God's eyes, even if it makes the head of your party mad, or even if it makes you know the local activist mad, or if it makes the local party chairman mad. Whoever it is, you know, if it makes your friends on on social media mad, just get off social media. They don't have to know what you're doing. You know, that's that's part of our self righteousness. We've got to prove what we did and where we went. Yes, Leslie. Oh, good point from Leslie. Her son Daniel Prophet said you cannot antagonize and evangelize at the same time. That's pretty good stuff, isn't it? Does anybody, if you come at somebody with an antagonistic attitude, do they want to hear what you've got to say? No, no way. That's the the biggest push you to the sides ever been which is all that our political parties do. And the moral of the story with my friend was, I said neither party, because we're serving a kingdom, kingdom. We preach that here often, kingdom, 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 capital K. God set a kingdom above the political powers of this world. We're supposed to be pleasing that king of that kingdom, not the local kingdom. That's, that's inconsequential in the big scheme of things. If it can be used to support this kingdom, fantastic. If it can't, Toss it aside. You don't need it. Because we want to be seen as people that support the kingdom of God and what is right in his eyes. And it doesn't, uh, and this is the greatest thing I want to close with today. This is the most relieving thing to me about all the scripture and everything is it doesn't depend on my ability to be good. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to be like the Pharisees. I don't have to follow the letter of the law. Not that I shouldn't. I think the way God, Paul puts it is, God forbid that I go do these wrong things and think God will forgive me. I should be seeking that righteousness. But if I slip up, it doesn't mean it's over for me. It doesn't mean God will quit using me. It just means I may need to make a slight course correction, confess to the Father what I've done, and say, hey, I need some guidance. Help me on this. I messed up. Number one, teach me how to correct that. If I've offended someone, to go back to my brother or sister and getting good standing with them. That's what we should be doing all the time. But it doesn't depend on how good we are for God to work in this world. Because if we're all sinners, which it says we are, and fall short, if you had to be perfect, God couldn't work in this world, could he? I mean, is that not, that's basically a mathematical equation. If 
You have to be perfect in order to for God to work in this world, and nobody's perfect, then God can't work in the world, can he? I don't think that's what it says. I don't think that was ever his intention. I think he knew that we were going to mess up. Jesus saw his disciples who were walking daily with him. They messed up. There might be some correction from Jesus at times. He'd talk to them, and then they'd say, oh, God, we messed up. David, one of the men we see, uh, Scripture describes him as a man after God's own heart. He messed up on a regular basis, but God still used him. But there, but the thing with David, don't forget, there were consequences to what he did as well. God didn't erase the consequences just because he was a man of God's heart. He paid dearly for some of that. But that, to me, is just a fantastic feeling to know it's not all on me to to perform this these these tasks of the law perfectly and do everything perfectly, or God's going to abandon me. No, I have an open relationship with Him. That as long as I am praying for Him to use me, He is going to through His Holy Spirit correct me when need be, show me the path, and then He is going to empower me to do what needs to be done. And that's a great feeling in a in a world we live in where you're graded so harshly on what you can do and what you can accomplish. God doesn't do it that way. He can accomplish anything through us. He can use anybody, and he uses us all differently. And that is what makes the kingdom a beautiful, beautiful thing, is to see how God uses uses us as he has talented us in different areas and different things. Not everybody wants to be a public speaker. God didn't gift you that way, perhaps. Hey, not everybody's gifted to work with children. Not everyone is gifted to be on stage and sing and praise the Lord and play an instrument. Not everybody is technically oriented and gifted in that way. But we are all gifted in a way that if we will pursue the righteousness of God and being right with him, he will empower us to serve and expand his kingdom, which is what it's all about. That's why we should be here. That's why you should be here on Sundays. That's why we should work as a community of faith together. All these things to expand the kingdom of God so that more people hear and are reached by the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, and that, that's something, um, actually last week I was out of our congregation and fellowshipping and worshiping with my friends at a car show last week. Uh, the car show promoter is gracious enough to let us have a church service on property for the uh, exhibitors and vendors there. And we have, we've probably had almost as many people there as we do here this morning. Some of those folks never go to church. They go once a year at chapel service at the car show. But it's a tra- it's a fantastic opportunity for us to come together and support each other as Christians and use a common hobby that we have where the gospel can be proclaimed there and shared, and we can share with each other. And, you know, we had a lot of prayer requests out of that. You know, pray for this. Pray in my life. My my son has done this. My daughter, my wife's sick. Uh, somebody else is, is going through this. Our business is in trouble. All those things that we had to pray together. And that was God's kingdom right there. Those people. We weren't a church. We were just a body of believers, fellowshipping, worshiping together, and asking God to use us. And that's what I'd like to close with today is for you to ask God to give you the hunger and thirst for being right with him for being righteous to make sure that we put aside the self-righteousness and don't brag and not be about me but to be about him and ask him how he wants to use us in this kingdom you know there's kingdom opportunities within these walls that aren't being fulfilled because you know people some people just don't feel gifted or, or haven't made that step out or whatever we would love to have more people here not so that we could say look at how many come to our church but so we can say Look at all these people coming together and working for God together as a community. That's what I desire for this church, and that's one of our goals for this year. 
You know, and and I understand sometimes you can't be here. Sometimes work or other things take you away. But if you can be here, I, I ask that you be here to be a part of this fellowship and this community. And let's, let's just pray along those lines this morning. Father, I thank you. I thank you for this teaching on righteousness and what it means to be right before you, God, that uh, it's not something I can accomplish on my own. No one in the audience can do that. It's something that only comes through believing in your son and, and the power comes from from him and from you. And when we realize that, God, we can, we can do great things for you and for the kingdom. I pray that you'll put the the hunger and thirst in us that we we can't do without this, God. We've got to have this relationship with you and being about your work here on earth, God, that we we want that so bad to be right in your eyes so that we can serve and, and expand the kingdom, God. And we, we pray for those that uh, weren't able to be here this morning. We pray that you will bless them, God, those that are worshiping online with us, God. So we we realize that, that community involvement in, in being a community and in person is important as well, God. But we thank you for the technology to be able to to serve those that can't be here this morning, God. And I just pray that we'll we'll get through these sicknesses and things, God, that are they're plaguing our community right now, that you will bring health and uh, be restored back to, to so many. I pray for our, the many activities that our members are involved in out in the community, whatever they may be, God, that you will bless and encourage us in and working through those things, God, and just pray that this year, Lord, that we we dedicate ourselves as a people, as a as a church, to serving you and, and being righteous in your eyes, Lord, and doing the right things in your sight and expanding this kingdom here on earth, God. And I, I pray if there's anyone out here this morning that doesn't know the gospel, that, that doesn't understand it, it is, it is so simple, God, to explain uh, that, you know, we've all fallen short. I think we can all expect that. We can all understand that we have not done everything that you would want us to do and, and have fallen short of the goals that you have for us and the way that we should should worship you and the way should, we should act in the world. And we accept that and realize, God, there's a penalty for not being able to do that. But you sent your son, your only son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross in our place to pay the penalty for those sins. So that if we believe in that and believe that he rose again on the third day, that we now have the opportunity to follow him. He can work in us. The Holy Spirit can work in us, Lord, if we are just willing to accept that, that we have sinned, we've fallen short, and Jesus paid the penalty for us. And, you know, heaven's just a bonus above that, God, but we can live here on earth for you every single day if we believe this gospel and we try and carry it out in our lives and try building your kingdom for you, God, and not for us, Lord. And we just pray that as a church that we continue to, to reach out to our community and work in these directions, God. Uh, I pray for traveling safety uh, this afternoon for anyone that has to travel because of the weather, Lord. And we just pray for the work week and school week that you'll bless and, and those of us that, that know you, God, that you'll use us mightily. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.